words, I'm proud of you, go so far with this population. Because no one in the criminal justice system has ever said that. I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation here in Chicago at Community Justice 2016, where people from all around the country and even around the world have come to learn and discuss justice reform, new strategies, uh, new ideas, uh, new programs, and research. Lots of, lots of topics have been discussed and are being discussed during this two-and-a-half-day conference. With me right now is someone who presented and also practices community justice, Judge Joseph Perez, who is the presiding judge of the Orange County Community Court. And he has presided there for the last two years, but he's in fact been a judge for the last nine years. And today we were going to talk a little bit about procedural justice. So Judge Perez, could you tell me a little bit about what procedural justice looks like at the Orange County Community Court? Well, to start with, we're we're kind of unique in that we are a standalone court in the middle of Santa Ana where what we've tried to do is have a one-stop shop where people who don't even have to be charged with crimes can come in to get services. So who do we have there? We have the health care agency of Orange County, which can actually provide health care services. Once a month during our homeless courts, we bring in a nurse practitioner with a line nurses to assess and treat uh, the homeless. We have Social Services Agency of Orange County there, which also provides assistance, food stamps, cash aid if, if they qualify to assist them in that, in that regard. We also have vocational rehab from the state to assist people in getting jobs. We have the Veterans Administration there, and they are there because, unfortunately, in my county, Orange County, California, we have a large population of homeless that are vets. In fact, there was a study that was recently done that specifically targeted Orange County, which is a fairly high socioeconomic status county. And it came out and it said virtually every veteran that is discharged into the county of Orange would have been homeless but for family or friends. I mean, it's an extraordinary issue. So we have Veterans Administration office there. We also have legal aid that comes in several times a week that can assist people in civil legal actions that there is. We have a place where people can bring their children to be watched uh, while they go into court or seek out these services. And all of those kids get to go home with a book. I mean, it's an extraordinary opening and inviting court. And we have a sandwich board out, a sign outside that says, you know, visitors are welcome. This is just not for people that are charged with crimes. So, so that's, a, that's, a, that's an, a key tenet of procedural justice, that you are open and welcoming and, yeah. I suppose, transparent about the services you offer and make it easy for people to come and go. It's not a confusing place. I suppose if someone comes in and they aren't there particularly for a court purpose, but they want assistance in one of the areas you've just described, that's easily accessible? Yeah, the whole environment of our collaborative court is to defuse and de-escalate you know, the intensity of the criminal justice system, frankly. I mean, we have pews in my courtroom instead of seats. I mean, I can't take credit for it. My predecessor, Judge Wendy Lindley, she literally built the place from the ground up. But you walk into our court, we get people from all over the United States, all over the world, coming into our court and say, wow, this is an extraordinary place. I mean, this is not like you would think of a courtroom. 
it's an inviting place. It looks like a church for crying out loud, with you know really nice chandelier. It's a beautiful place with an open area. We don't have bars that separate our inmates. Uh, we have a glass panel, and the reason why she did it, it's brilliant. So they can see out, they feel a little bit closer, connected to those that are not in custody, and they can also see visually and hear auditorially what, what these folks are doing to stay out of trouble. So so this is in the courtroom. This is in the courtroom. in the courtroom Correct. that they have access or uh, ability to hear everything that's right, going on. Right, and see everything that's going on. We don't try to separate them like many do. We want them to be able to see and hear what we're doing, those that are in custody, because it's a learning experience. A lot of what we do in our court is teach and provide the services necessary to keep them from coming back. You know, procedural justice, in my opinion, making people feel comfortable and making them feel that they're heard. When a judge cares and they, they see it and they feel it, and I do care very much, and my caring is to keep them from ever coming back to stay out of the system to provide them whatever services are necessary that we can provide and keep them from coming back and really celebrating with them as they move themselves along. The fact that you care and if they see that, it's an extraordinary thing because all of a sudden they want to be able to tell you and impress you and say, look, I'm doing this, Judge. Take a look at what I'm doing. The words I'm proud of you go so far with this population because no one in the criminal justice system has ever said that when you think about it. Well, and in fact, it's it's probably a lot of judges, or it's sort of in the traditional mode, the way people think of judges, they don't think of a judge saying to a defendant, I'm proud of right. you. And it sounds like that's something you do naturally. It also has been substantiated by research that one of the components of procedural justice is, in fact, the relationship between the judge and the defendant. It's allowing them to have voice understanding of the procedures, a sense that they're being treated fairly, and in fact speaking that way to a defendant embodies those principles that research has shown have had positive results, impacts on defendant compliance and acceptance of sentences and long-term success. It has to be sincere. And the interesting thing, this is mentioned this week, that the personality of the judge is pervasive throughout the court. The staff, the bailiffs, everybody in my court house really comes back to you. I'm a second-generation judge. My father, he was of the first Spanish-speaking attorney in Orange County. And then from there, he became the first Spanish-speaking judge. And I remember being a toddler running around my father's court, and there was this sense of peace. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it started with my dad. I mean, he was a very generous, kind, caring judge, and it had a heck of an impact on me. I remember lawyers coming in and saying, that's your father, yes. Let me just tell you something. We love coming to this court because we are all treated so fairly. Everyone is listened to. There's not a person that walked into that court that wasn't treated with respect. I don't care if you were charged, whatever you were charged with. And that's the way it should be. That's remarkable. Tell me, I mean, it's interesting because you talked about someone being handcuffed but being treated nicely. So procedural justice doesn't mean that the court is in any way abdicating security, there's metal detectors, and there's accountability. So none of those things are being abdicated when you you do engage in procedural justice. Not at all. It's how you do it, as far as I'm concerned. You make reasonable boundaries. Everything we do in our court, and I say this to defendants all the time, everything we do here is geared for one reason, and that's to graduate you. 
and to see that you never come back. Look around. I literally have them look around. And I say, look at everyone here, including the prosecutor. All of us want you to succeed. Think about when you, have you ever heard that in any other court? And the answer is no. Prosecutor wants to send you away, and there's this you know, adversarial environment where people are arguing. Ours is not that way at all, quite the opposite. I mean, in setting up these courts is another issue I wanted to talk about. There is a lot of abrasiveness in setting these courts up. I mean, I've mentioned previously that you know, my predecessor, she was told, you continue in this path. If someone challenges you in an election, we may not support you. And she said, I'm doing it. So I've had people call me the clapping court. I'm in the clapping court. Perez's court is a clapping court. Um, because you applaud when right, people exactly. achieve a milestone yeah, or exactly. graduate. Social worker with a robe, I've mentioned. Hug a judge. Hug a, yeah, so hug a thug. Hug a thug, right. I had a probation officer yeah. say, so you're in the hug a thug court. The interesting thing is those folks that make those statements have never been in a collaborative court, and they certainly have never been in mine. There has not been one person that has walked into my court and has seen what we do has ever walked out and said, this is a waste of money or time. In fact, we're saving money. I mean, since 1995, we, keep, we have a yearly report that goes out talking about our statistics. Since 1995, when drug court began, the number is somewhere around $110 million that we have saved in costs for jail. So when I go in front of the legislature, or I go in front of those that want to shut us down, it's not necessarily the legislature, but when I try to speak about what we do, I mean, all I do is I say, we're saving lives and money. Very persuasive. Does anyone have a problem with it? Seriously. And we have the data to back it up. These people are not coming back. Some do, of course, but the recidivism rate has basically been turned upside down. I've told the legislature that I wish you guys had a camera in our court to see what we do. Then you can watch, and after you watch and you see what we're doing here, you have a problem with it, then talk to me. But don't cast throw stones from outside without knowing what we do. I just want to ask you one more thing, and it's something you mentioned when you participated in a panel yesterday on race, legitimacy, and community justice. And you said something to the effect that it was important for a judge to look like the people in the community that the courthouse is serving. So I wonder if you could just say a little bit more about that, explain why, why you think that. Well, I think what they need to do is understand the community that they're in and, if possible, come from that community. Like I said, my father grew up blocks from where we were, and it's heavily Hispanic. And you can see when people come in, they see the last name of Perez, and they think, oh, this is someone that may understand what I've gone through. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and sharing with me some of the work you've been doing at the Orange County Community Court. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I've been talking to Judge Joseph Perez of the Orange County Community Court, and we are both here at Community Justice 2016 in Chicago. You can find out more about what happened at the conference on the Center for Court Innovation website at www.courtinnovation.org. O-R-G, and you can listen to more podcasts, including one I did a few years ago with Judge Lindley, who founded the court. So thank you very much for listening.